This episode of Pod Cemetery is brought to you by the Stoker Pub in Six Mile Hill, Northern Ireland. Now hosting tours to Abertax Cairn, site of the world's first vampire legend. Hello, my name is Chris. My name is Kelsey. And this is Pod Cemetery, where we dissect horror movies like the rotting corpses that they are. And it's St. Patrick's Day on Pod Cemetery with. 1996's Leprechaun 4 in space and 2020's Boys from County Hell, which is St. Patrick's only by virtue of it being Irish. (laughs) Yes. If you remember, Boys from County Hell was the one that Bob had originally recommended and then I messed up and grabbed his second movie, his second choice. Yes. So we figured, why not? It's Irish. Let's put it here. In St. Patrick's Day. You're also getting this episode late. It is in the real world, as of the time of this recording, the day that the episodes normally come out. But St. Patrick's Day is still a couple of days off, so we are in time for it. But we also moved over the weekend, which is the real reason why we're a little bit late here. Uh, We're still not done. We're in a room that is full of boxes. I have no idea how the audio is going to sound. We're sitting in completely different arrangements. We're recording this on a completely different computer. And there's no insulation. It might be a little echoey. So apologies if it doesn't sound right. We're trying to turn this around pretty quickly. (laughs) Yeah. Well, let's get right into it then with 1996's Leprechaun 4. In space. Five years before Jason did it. Yes. In uh, Jason X. Mm-hmm. This movie is directed by Brian Trenchard Smith and written by Dennis A. Pratt, based on characters created by Mark Jones. And it stars Warwick Davis. Warwick, right? Warwick? It's Warwick. No, Warwick. 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 Shh, shh, shh. Warwick. 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 No, no, forget the W. Orwick. Orwick. Not the first Orwick. W, the middle one. Warwick. 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 I think I'm getting it. All right. Please. We got it. And it stars Warwick Davis, Brent Jasmer, and Jessica Collins. Kelsey, could you tell us what Leprechaun 4 in space is all about? Apparently the Leprechaun has become an alien being out in space. They never even call him a Leprechaun in this movie. Right. And he's been terrorizing space. And now his sights are set on marrying a princess so that he can become a king because all he wants is power, which is weird because in the movie he will actually say that money gets you all the power and supposedly he has all the money. So why does he need to be king? This definitely felt like it was supposed to be a spoof on a lot of different space movies. Oh, for sure, yes. Uh, like a sp- Definitely a spoof on Alien, definitely a spoof on Star Wars, but... Because they turned it into a leprechaun movie, a lot of that just feels very out of place and just like, okay, he has a lightsaber for absolutely no reason for one scene. It's so weird. Right. And, you know, I I don't want to be one of those people that just writes off 
a movie because, oh, it's a spoof, so it doesn't have to be good. Like, no, it, if it's going to spoof something, it should be funny. Mm-hmm. Let's talk about that. The movie is available with a subscription to Peacock, Fubo, DirecTV, and Spectrum. You can rent it for $4 on many different services or buy it for 5 It is also $4 to buy on Microsoft. So you can get it for the same price you could rent it. But Kelsey, should people watch Leprechaun 4? So here's the thing, guys. I, we were talking about this, and we've seen far worse films than we this. We have. Far worse if anything, I can say at the very least it's short and the acting is not terrible. Uh, we've seen the worst acting out there and this is not that. Right. There are some people having fun here. Yeah. But they're having fun producing not very good content. Right. And while I actually thought there were a couple of things about the doctor that kind of made me smile or chuckle a little bit. Sure, yeah. Uh -huh. Other than that, I don't think there's any reason to watch this, even mm -hmm. if you're a fan of the series, because this doesn't, this does nothing with wishes. This does nothing with nope. gold. This does nothing with him being a leprechaun. His nope. whole, th the only part of him that's leprechaun-ish is that he offers this princess all this gold. Yeah, and it's played by Warwick Davis. He's in that makeup, and he'll, like, recite things to himself. He has but one limerick, and right. it's terrible. It's bad. It's the worst of all of, the t all of his terrible limericks. Small though I am, mighty is my spirit when bloody battle calls. Come at me with what you will. Shoot me, stab me, kill me a hundred ways. Still I fight on. I am eternal as the sun. I am a thousand demons from hell. Death and destruction are my game. Agony is my name. <laughs> yeah, so, I mean, really, you don't need to watch this. No. Uh, I'll be dead honest, I fell asleep. Oh, yeah. But we have been moving. Yes, but still, I was like, like it, it wasn't even interesting enough for me to stay awake. But it wasn't the worst movie ever made. It no. is not a zero. This is not Amityville Playhouse. No, but if you're trying to make a point to, like, watch all the Leprechaun movies, I guess. You're not gonna, like... It's a waste of an hour and a half, but it's not the worst waste of an hour and a half. Oh, God, and the CG. Oh, man. Those are some special effects. I don't even get why they did it. Like, I... Like... Apparently, the director regrets it. I think it was the director. might have been the producer. Said something to the effect of... Oh, these are PlayStation. These are worse than PlayStation level graphics. Yeah. Like, wish we hadn't done it. Like, you would have been better off with sets. Right. Build a model and then film that. Even if it's bad, at least it's fun. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, you can take our advice or leave it. When we get back, we will talk about 1996's Leprechaun 4 in space. Somewhere in space, he is waiting. Somewhere on this ship, he is watching. He is powerful. What the hell was that? He is evil. He's here. And he's ready. <laughs> to party. Good evening. Hot stuff coming up. <laughs> Leprechaun 4 in space. This barbecue's only just begun. All right, Kelsey, get us started. How does Leprechaun 4 begin? With some commentary about the military. 
Yep. These people, there's some soldiers, and their mission is to search and destroy the bastard alien. Again, this is a bit of a spoof on Alien in that there will be scenes Aliens that... Yeah. In particular. In scenes that feel like that. But the funny thing is, is that le- the leprechaun is supposed to be the alien, but, like, he's not, like, an alien. Like, they actually encounter an alien who does the whole, like, he's up above them and, like, comes out like the alien did. But that's not the leprechaun. Like, it's right. weird. But he's not an alien either. He's right. just a weird biological experiment gone awry. Like the fly. There's weird fly elements. We get a help me, help me. Yeah, this movie was just a hodgepodge of random shit. Right. Yeah. And like, if you wanted sci-fi commentary on militarism and jingoism... Just watch Starship Troopers. Yes. Like, yes. Because th- these soldiers are such a small part. I mean, they're just fodder for him to kill, but at the same time, they're trying to make a statement about the military. And I'm like, dude, like, not that I don't agree with you, but like, your fucking movie, no. You, but I mean, well, you we also have to like them. Like, it's. Yeah. It's weird. Oh, and, you know, a little bit of content warning for some trans misogyny thrown in as well. So, like, yeah. hooray. <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. Anyway, but, it takes place in 2096. Is the actual thing, they say Semper Fi. Do or die, yes. Do or die, kill, kill, kill. Is that? I don't think it's actually kill, 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 no. Okay, okay. So they, again, making a statement. Yeah. Leprechaun 4 is in space. But Semper Fi is short for Semper Fidelis, which means like always faithful. You know, the Marines are the ones that are like, leave no man behind, right? Yes, and there's also, they are religious, and you're supposed to be laughing at their religion, because as they're doing prayers, they're cursing, so like... Right, yeah. uh And others, you know, making statements, which, you know, fine, but like your movie, you don't get to, you don't deserve (laughs) to make any jokes Uh about people. But we meet, I guess, our main character, what is her name? Tina, played by Jessica Collins, and this is like the lowest effort archetypes... You know, she is the beautiful scientist that the Marines don't take seriously. Oh, but I'm a black belt. You know, like it's uh, like just try. I I wouldn't even say try hard. It's a try not at all sort of archetypical character structure for all these characters. Yeah, I mean, it's I said this. I said that I'm pretty sure Leprechaun 4 at this point knows who their audience is. And they know their audience is mindless. And they know I mean, and they know that their audience wants hot chick doing karate moves and boobs, you know, like, that's the shit they want. So they gave it to them. And sure. And again, she could have been awful. She could have had zero talent, but she didn't. She actually, I thought, did fine. She's fine. And we get Brent Jasmer, which is Diet Sylvester Stallone. (laughs) He's our main character. The guy who's told he has to take care of her. Yes, and you know, there's the whole, oh, they they have clashing personalities, but they're going to fall in love by the they end. They hate each other, yeah, but they're secretly in love. Yeah. Which is he thinks shown, she's uptight. She thinks he's an idiot. Which like, is you shown know. in the very first scene. <laughs> she's, like, having fun because he's putting her gear on, and then they fall, and then they both are. Well, she's not having fun. She's upset. He is having fun. I don't think either of them are. He is doing his job, and he's not looking at her as a sexual being, but sure. from her perspective, it's yeah. like... Like, how dare you touch me however you fucking feel like it. But then they fall 
and they're oh, on top of each, each other, other and they're happy and, about it. Yeah, so it's, it's like they tell you from the very first scene what's going to happen. Cool. She's here to take samples. She works for the doctor, who I said is probably the best part of the film. Yes. Dr. Mittenhand, played by Guy Siner, Sinner or something like that. He did a pretty funny job. Yeah, he was pretty funny doing like this stereotypical sort of like mad scientist, mad scientist, German accent. You know, it's not like what was it? Was it Return of the Living Dead that had the actual like Nazi scientist? And it's like, this is a comedy. (laughs) But, you know, it's not a spoof comedy where we might be making fun of them. It's like, I don't know. But this is, you know, he has that thick German accent and. He's over the top and extreme. He is very spoofy, like something out of a Mel Brooks film. Yes. And probably the best part. Yes. He actually made me chuckle once or twice. So, yeah, their mission is to, I guess, save a princess who's been kidnapped by a leprechaun. They have no idea about the princess. They have been sent to kill this alien. Uh And the doctor wants her to get samples of the alien. It's it's all very spoof on alien. Uh Uh-huh. You know, they've sent the evil, well, she's not evil, but in the alien, the evil cyborg to get the samples no matter what. And that's kind of what's supposed to be happening here, because just like in Alien, but not from the original story, you know how Waitani wants to live forever? Wayland. Wayland. Utani. Wayland Utani. Yeah. So Wayland is the guy who wants to live forever in Prometheus. Wants to live forever in Prometheus, right? This movie did it first for some reason. Somehow it did it before Prometheus. Yeah. Dr. Mittenhand, he's like a torso, a head, and one arm, and the rest, he's a robot. Yeah. And he wants to use, he's hoping to use the DNA to save himself. But. That becomes clear later on when we learn more about the princess. So let's talk about the princess. Mm -hmm. There is absolutely zero effort in explaining any of this. He has her prisoner, then he wine and dines her, trying to convince her to marry him. And at first he legitimately wants to marry her. And it's not until later in the film that he decides to kill her. And she... She just, anything that gets her way, she doesn't give a shit what she has to do to get right. her way. He does convince her that, hey, if we kill your dad, you get everything. And so she, I mean, throughout the whole movie, she's going to be like, oh, yeah, okay, I'm a villain now. But also, I don't need you if you die. Like, yeah, you could help me. But if you die, no big deal. Right. Then I wouldn't. And I think at some point she decides she's going to kill him, too. I'm not uh-huh. really sure. Doesn't but matter. She She'll literally go with whoever is going to help her in the moment. Right. Yeah. But he will do something for her when they burst in and they they throw a grenade at one point, the Marines do. Oh, he sacrifices himself. He jumps because, on the grenade. Because he knows he'll come back and he knows right. that she won't and he needs to marry her to become the king. Right. Yes. However, it kind of feels like there are probably lots of kingdoms that he could do this for. Right. Is there only one kingdom in all of space? <laughs> yeah, it's it's very strange. And the idea is that he wants all this power to be king, but the king has given up all his power because he's given all his money away, mm-hmm. and which she says it makes him noble, but she's also like, "But I'm treated like a commoner." So where is he going to get the power from? I'm they don't care. But if she is the ruler, she cannot do that, and she can demand all the tithing and taxes, etc. The sets in this movie are I just, wrote down, oh man, these cave sets. These it, are... It's crinkled paper. Right. These are terrible sets. And it couldn't be more obviously crinkled paper. Uh-huh. This is a middle school production. Uh-huh. Like, 
my middle school sets looked better than this. Like low budget productions can be charming with the right level of skill and passion. And I think at least one of those things was lacking here. Oh, I don't think there's any skill or passion going on You know, I could probably hear an argument that these people were passionate, but they had no money and they just wanted to make a silly movie. But like, yeah, no, it's there's if that is the case, then they lack the skill to do it on a tiny budget. So, of course, the soldiers are coming after him. He, They don't know that he has the princess. When when they do, they're going to try and save her, which I, because right. it's like a diplomatic thing at that point. Because he has been ruining space. <laughs> uh, He's a space politics. terrorist. Yeah. I don't fucking know. <laughs> they don't know. They don't no. know and they don't care. So, anyway, they're all coming after him. He gets one of them alone. He uses a lightsaber, which, like we said, there His is zero. Shillelagh is a lightsaber now. There's zero explanation of where it came from, what it is, why he has it. Just he has it for one scene to kill somebody. And, and I'm then like, he takes their machine gun. Ho, ho, ho. Now I have a machine gun. Ho, ho, ho. Yes, but they don't make a joke like that. No, they don't. Surprised that they didn't. But yes, now he has a machine gun. But as Chris said, he's going to end up sacrificing himself to save the princess, which you're like, okay, how are they going to bring him back? Well, they, uh, which Jason movie? No, it's Freddy, right? No, it's, it's, it's Freddy where the dog pees. The dog pees the fire grave. and yeah, causes him uh-huh. to come back. Yes. It's there Jason. There are a couple of Freddy things in this movie. Yeah. Yeah, there are. I mean, because he's trying to be one of those quippy, fun horror villains well i mean at one point he full-on cuts off his fingers and i was like okay so we're just stealing shit now (laughs) okay but yeah jason has the one where we haven't watched this one yet but tommy jarvis digs up the body and then like stabs him and then he gets struck by lightning and that's what brings him back Uh, lots of people have stupid things but in this one there's a guy who's like fuck this leprechaun pees on him him, and then very freddy energy travels up the urine stream and he causes him to get the clap Uh because he's going to literally emerge from his penis now you might be thinking oh so they're gonna like explode the body no no just his dick explodes but that doesn't even really happen no you don't see it he just kind of they do this thing where they just close up on pants yes, and then Warwick Davis out of the comes out of the pants. And then flies, uh-huh. which I thought was kind of <laughs> hilarious because it's so bad. Um, uh, we didn't mention, though, because when that happens, he is going to have sex with the one female Marine that's there. And that's Debbie Dunning, who is Heidi from Home Improvement. I don't know if that means anything to you, but it does to me. It doesn't mean anything to me. Okay, well, yeah, she was the she was in Home Improvement. Tool time, she was the assistant. I loved Home Improvement. Yeah. uh I don't remember her, though. Well, you know how it was Pamela Anderson, the blonde. Pamela Anderson was on Home Improvement? She was, yeah. uh I do not remember that. She was the buxom assistant on Tool Time, and she was replaced by this woman, Debbie Dunning, who is Heidi from Home Improvement. Does everybody know what time it is? Tool Time! So it's like, oh, hey, you know. (laughs) Had a big crush on her when I was a kid. I see. I wrote down somewhere around here, though, this is porn quality writing. Yes. Which is why I think the acting shines as much as it does. (laughs) Because you'd expect... They're better than porn actors? Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Like, the writing is so abysmal, but Uh but they were able to at least make it seem, like, natural. 
Yeah. Which, that's pretty fucking impressive. We find out that the doctor has a shrinking and de-shrinking machine, which is kind of important to the plot. They're going to shrink his gold. But more importantly, they're going to make him make huge. Him huge, yeah, later on. Movie. We haven't mentioned Harold, who's the doctor's assistant as well, and he's a big pervert. Oh, yeah. He, he's like, he oh, one of the funniest moments in the movie. One of the funniest things that Dr. Mittenhand does is he is, like, sniffing the princess while she's unconscious. And then behind him, the robot body. <laughs> no, so this we this haven't seen Mittenhand see, in person yet. Yeah, we only know him in a he's video TV, camera right? that, can, that can move around on its yeah, own. Yeah, and, and this, this TV just kind of rolls in from off screen. And Mittenhand is just, like, staring at him. Side, side eyes <laughs> at him. It's really funny. It's actually really, really good. I wrote down, it's actually hilarious. Yes. <laughs> it's actually after that where I wrote, look, this movie is stupid, but at least it's moving. And it does. It does move, yeah. It moves uh-huh. pretty quickly. Like, you're never sitting there like, why am I still watching this scene? No. Totally. It goes from scene to scene, which I appreciated. <laughs> he does a John Wayne impression at one point. Yeah, like, because he did an Elvis impression he, in the exactly last one. That's exactly what I was one. thinking. I was like, is this like his new thing? Like, he's he going to do an, an impression. impression each movie now? And they're not good. They're not good. Everyone can do an Elvis and everyone can do a John Wayne and none of them are good. <laughs> so the fact that he does them, it's like, oh God, is that his thing? Mm-hmm. Hold it right there, pilgrim. I'm not going to hurt you. Nah, I'm not going to hurt you. The hell I'm not. Bad impressions. So at some point they have to go into this room. I forget why, but it's like there's there's dangerous shit in there, so they have to put these masks on. And Chris pointed out, he's like, why does the leprechaun have a suit? <laughs> right, he does. Where did he get the suit? Why does he have one? Why does he need one? <laughs> but also, it was kind of funny because he like destroys one of the characters' suits. And this guy is like, it's Mooch! And that's the character's name. It's Mooch! And, he, and the camera turns... And it's just a skeleton. Yes, and I was he's like, immediately a skeleton. It's like, brilliant. <laughs> brilliant. A moment. Yes, there are endearing qualities to this movie. But then they definitely cut out a scene, because in the next scene, uh, the doctor's like, I know that the leprechaun made a deal with you guys, saying that he'd leave you alone if you only give him the princess. Uh-huh. But we're not going to fucking do that because he knows now that she has regenerative properties because she lost her hand and now it grew back. Uh huh. So he's like, ooh, I can use her DNA to regrow my body. So here's the question. Why did he jump on the grenade again? So she wouldn't die. But she has re- she, she's fucking Wolverine. I don't think the leprechaun knew. It's just too complex. Why even? They needed this so they can have their big bad villain, the biggest like effect they have in the whole movie, because there's going to be a fly moment where Harold's tarantula gets out and... No, it isn't. You were asleep. <laughs> the reason it happens is because the leprechaun saves the princess, because remember, they're taking her blood and her DNA. And when she gets saved by the leprechaun, she's like... That guy was stealing my blood. 
destroy him. And so the leprechaun's okay. He'll do anything to keep her happy as until she gets married to him. So he's like, okay. So he takes the DNA that, that the doctor was planning on using. Uh-huh. And he mixes that with a dead tarantula, a tarantula that he kills and a scorpion that he kills. Okay, well, that tarantula is the one I was thinking of. Okay. Yeah, because so earlier. I'm giving the movie too much credit here. Er, well, yeah, earlier they established that for whatever reason they have tarantulas and scorpions in this facility. And yeah, the leprechaun takes one of each, mixes them with the DNA, mm. and then injects it into the back of the guy's head. Now, you might be thinking, oh, God, into the back of his skull, how terrifying. And that is absolutely what they want you to be thinking and feeling. And it might be for a moment until, until the leprechaun, Warwick Davis, takes the syringe and literally goes like this. And you can't see me, guys, but he takes the syringe and he just goes down with oh, it. Oh, behind his head. Behind his head uh-huh. to make it look like it's going into his head. Yeah. And I was just, I when that happened, I was just like... Yeah, could why are, try. Why are we? Why are we doing this? Right? Yeah. Why was this movie made? Uh, it, we, it's really bad. We did miss one Mittenhand joke though. When they see him in person for the first time, Harold says, "Doctor Mittenhand, you look much taller in person." And Mittenhand says, "Thank you, Harold. I'll do the jokes." Oh yes, <laughs> yes. Seriously, the doctor is the best part. And you might be thinking, oh, well, then when he turns into half scorpion, half spider, yes, if you're into body horror, that might do something for you. I'm not into body horror. But he's also silly looking. Not for me. He's got for these me, little things coming out the side of his yeah, head. Yeah, that yeah, yeah. Spinning around. I, yeah. No, it's silly. For looking. me, it was not a good time. I was wondering where <laughs> that scorpion tail came from, by the way. I was like, but, but, but. <laughs> you were asleep. Yep. And I apparently I missed enough. (laughs) (laughs) I do love when he is making when the doctor is making the cocktail of the DNA before the leprechaun fucks with it. Uh huh. He's doing all this stuff and he's just like he realizes it's gonna work and he's just like I'm brilliant. (laughs) He's really good. I I liked him. We haven't mentioned this entire time that one of the people. In the crew, his name is Styx, is Miguel Nunez, or Joanna Man, or DJ from Street Fighter, or Spider from Return of the Living Dead, who we've mentioned before when we watched Return of the Living Dead. And he's Demon in Friday the 13th, The New Beginning. One so of the better the parts of the movie. third time we've seen him. Yeah, and he is. He knows what he's doing, mm-hmm. and he's doing it well. Yes. Mm-hmm. So... When the chick tells them that the guy died that she was having sex with when the leprechaun came out of his dick, she's explaining this to her leader, general, whatever, sergeant. And he's just like, he's like, Kowalski would have wanted that way. He was Marine. I hope when I die that I'm standing straight and tall, too. And she goes, oh, really? And he looks at her like, are you trying to get me killed? And it's kind of funny. Yeah. His name is Metalhead, by the way, and he has, like, half of his head is metal. The effect isn't the worst effect in the movie. Well, later, there's another kind of a funny line. He's going to end up dying, and they're going to realize he was a cyborg the whole time. Yes, uh-huh. And they're going to be like, he was a cyborg. He was a Marine. One of the best. And, again, statements about the <laughs> military. At one point, 
again, he's not ever been referred to as the leprechaun in this film, but at one point, one of the Marines, he's luring him to his death and he sings, Oh Danny Boy. And I'm like, they're just forcing in. Yeah, anytime they can just slip something in to try and make him like a leprechaun, I guess. Somebody was paid 20 bucks and given half an hour to go through the script and add leprechaun references. And they did it in five minutes. He ends up crushing the guy and he says, smashing, oh, smashing. I love the scene between the doctor and his disgusting assistant. The doctor is trying to get him to stop kissing his ass. And he's like, I loathe and despise toadies like you. And the guy's just like, I hate it too. And he's just like, seriously. And then he he's telling him about why he became the way that he became. He's telling him this long story. And the guy's like, did it work? <laughs> The guy's like, yes, Harold, it all went according to plan. <laughs> Did you know that I was once considered quite dashing? And then, the experiment. I would have been the first computer with an organic structure. Something went wrong. No, Harold, it all went according to plan. Moron, look at me! Is pretty funny. Uh -huh. uh, he's And he's discussing how, like, this DNA will cause him to be beautiful. He's like, I will be beautiful. And his assistant's just like, cool. And I'm like, I'm here for these scenes. Uh -huh. I'm here for these scenes. Let's sure. just cut the leprechaun out. How right. about that? Right. To get them to let him in, the leprechaun, he pretends to be our main girl. And she's in her underwear. Tina. And she says... They took my clothes. And so the assistant's the nasty, gross guy. And he's like, sure, come on in, right? Well, of course, the doctor's like, don't let the leprechaun fool you. But what's important about this is later, that same girl, the same actress, will actually get her clothes taken off. And it's the mitten spider that does that. He mm -hmm. bites her, her clothes off. Her pants off. Yeah. Uh-huh. So, like, like I said, guys, they... They know how, they know what their audience are here for. Seriously, you take out the leprechaun and then add in some softcore scenes. And this is something that you might see on like late night Cinemax. At one point, I know it's not here, but at one point the fucking princess takes off her top and shows off her boobs. And you're literally like, what just happened? Why did she do that? And then the next scene, the chick, the the main chick tells you that's a death sentence on her planet. Oh yeah. And I'm like, I at least they made a reason for it, I guess. Yeah. It's very strange. It's really, yeah. Mhm. Mm just any excuse to get women with their clothes off. Um but so, when they let the leprechaun in, the doctor is having this conversation with the leprechaun and he's trying to reason with him. And he's like, we are exactly the same. I am greedy. You are insatiable. I am this. You are this. Like, you're just a worse version of me. But we're basically the same. And he's trying to get him to be on his side. And leprechaun is like, no, I want to be king. I want all this power. And the doctor is like, no, fear is what you want. Fear is how you get people to do your bidding. But it doesn't matter because that's when he's going to get turned into half spider, half scorpion. So it doesn't fucking matter. Yeah. But anyway, this is around the time that he supposedly does some kind of 
mind trick on yeah, the guy. I, I they don't explain it. They they go into their dance club that they have on the ship, complete with a disco ball and everything, and. Sergeant Metalhead is dressed up like a woman and he's wearing a wig and he has makeup on and he's doing a little performance. And it's, isn't it funny? The macho man is wearing a dress. Literally no other reason. That's the only thing that's happening. And then they get into a fight. At one point, like the whole scene just screeches to a grinding halt. So Metalhead can take out nunchucks. Hiya! He even says. And they get into a fight, and yeah. It's so she can show off her black her belt black abilities. Belt, yeah, it's really bad. Yep. And and so this is where it's, he gets taken out, and the metal plate pops off, and you can see inside he doesn't have a brain. It's just, he's a cyborg. Which or, is why. He's not even a cyborg, he's a robot. Which is why a line from earlier in the film now makes sense, because they made a joke about how he, like, lost half his body but still carried a guy out and you were at the time you were like i get that that's a joke you know about marines and probably a bit of a joke on forrest gump or whatever but then it ends up being that he's a cyborg and it's like that line from way earlier in the film makes sense now and it was books that say that he saved yes books is our diet stallone by the way the main guy character who has nothing going for him personality wise Something he happens. He loves being a Marine. Yes. And something happens where the self-destruct is going off. Yeah. So I don't even know how that happened. But so they've got to deal with the leprechaun, the human spider hybrid. Mitten spider. Yes. And that the self-destruct is going off. So, so all stuff. three of these things are happening at once. And the main terminal that controls the self-destruct is in the spider's lair. And so that's where the guy who played spider <laughs> sticks uh miguel nunez he has to go on his own so basically it's just kind of the three of them right it's it's sticks it's books and it's tina mm-hmm. tina and books are going to go up against the leprechaun who grows really big because he uses the he gets really upset that his gold's not there and he realizes well, because he has to use the d he has to use the d shrinking right. thing on it because they shrunk to it down it back, but he uses it but to, then to that somehow big. makes him big i wrote down Oh, no. When he grows, they just artificially blew up a regular shot of him. So yep. he's like all like super low res and there's artifacting and everything yep. going on. It's terrible. The effects of this movie, the, the effects person did not give a shit. I think the worst effect is coming up when they're going to open the airlock, a la Alien and Aliens. Yep. And they he don't. Even, they can't even bother with the fan. He even does the um, like scraping on the sides, trying to stay right. in. And they like knock over boxes that very obviously don't have anything in them. And there, it's somebody has like one of those little handheld battery powered fans because his hair is just kind of fluttering just a little bit. Like they didn't even try. They couldn't even get like a box fan at least, like something to make it look like there was air moving in that room. Like nothing. But that's how they get rid of him is by throwing him out into space. And at which point there's a really bad effect of him. Like it's a, like a video effect, right? Like some shitty VHS sort of effect. Well, this was a video straight to video. It movie. was where like part of his of the image of him was like expanded and contracted and then s- explodes. And then, of course, his hand 
is out there just giving a finger to their front window because that's what he does. Yep. That's what the leprechaun does. How do they take care of the spider, though? So she is the main girl. Oh, doesn't she uh, use the like liquid nitrogen or whatever to freeze him? She does. Which we get I, a Demolition Man moment here. Oh, is it Demolition Man? I was thinking of Jason X. And I was like, seriously, Jason oh. X? Seriously? You stole from Leprechaun 4? Oh, no. That should have been your first indication that this is that your movie should never have been made. Yeah, no. Demolition Man. Spoilers for Demolition Man, which came out three years earlier and actually did star Sylvester Stallone. <laughs> he coats Wesley Snipes in liquid nitrogen and then kicks his head and it shatters into a million pieces. Well, when they do that, the human part of him, because at one point, the Dr. Minthand is like losing human perspective, yes, turning into super. Spider, yes. Yeah, no longer mitten hand. <laughs> I am now mitten spider. Yes. Due to interference, my experiment has gone awry. I am becoming mutant. My brain slowly losing human perspective. I am no longer mitten hand. I am now... Mitten Spider. Yes. Really, really good. Lean more into that stuff. Mm -hmm. But when he gets frozen, he's like, help me. Help me. Yeah, just like like in The Fly from the original. And she says, I'm sorry before she kills him. Yeah. She feels bad for him. Uh Uh-huh. What happens to the princess? I don't know. I don't know what happens to her. The last time I have any notes about her is a kind of a funny scene between her and uh, Leprechaun. And he's doing something and she's being like, you're not doing it right, blah, blah, blah. And they keep like saying like backhanded comments at each other. Uh-huh. And, and like, he's like, bitch. And she's like, twerp. Like, you know, yeah. that was kind of funny. It felt a little bit like Chucky and Tiffany, but not as not as clever and not as funny. Right. But that's the last note I have for about her. Yeah, I don't even have a note of what happens to her either. No idea. Um, oh, there's this whole scene where they're trying to shut down the self-destruct sequence and they need to figure out Mittenhand's password. And it's like ultimate genius or something random or whatever. No, it's wizard because oh. earlier in the film, <laughs> he had How said, he described himself. I yes. feel like the wizard in The Wizard of Oz because I was behind the And that the whole worked. Time. And my, that, that explains my note here, which is no one says wizard anymore. <laughs> How come no one says wizard anymore? And of course, our main two finally kiss as they're given the finger, and then it's the end of the movie. Yep, it's the end of the movie. That's a movie. It's a movie. It's a movie that exists. It, it does exist. That is true. People spent money and time making that. So, what do you think it has on Rotten Tomatoes? I'm gonna guess it's like I think I know. Isn't it like 13? It is 17. Seventeen. No Metacritic. No Cinema Score. Do you think that that is overrated or underrated? I'd say it's overrated. Okay. What would you give it? I'm going to give it a 15. You know, I think 15 is is pretty good. I think that's pretty accurate. <laughs> there are some scenes that definitely made me laugh. Sure. And it's upsetting that they didn't have enough confidence in those moments, that they could do more, more stuff like that. 
They just didn't have the confidence in themselves to do it. No, and they, they thought just leaned on tropes and shitty misogynistic jokes, and yeah, it's '90s humor. <laughs> mm-hmm. It's a pretty big bummer, unfortunately, but not the worst movie we've ever seen. No, there are some okay moments. I am totally fine with never seeing this movie ever again, though. Mm-hmm. So that is 1996's Leprechaun 4 in space. Moving on to our next movie for St. Patrick's Day. 2020's Boys from County Hell, written and directed by Chris Baugh. Man, I'm sorry. Some of these names I'm just not going to be able to pronounce. It's B-A-U-G-H. There's an actor in this movie whose name is H-O-U-G-H, and I'm pretty sure that's pronounced Huff. But this is Ba, not Buff. (laughs) I think? I don't know. I've never heard his name out loud. Uh, The story is by Chris Ba and Brendan Mullen. Stars Jack Rowan, Nigel O'Neill, Louisa Harland, Michael Huff, John Lynch, and Fra Fee. He was in Les Miserables, apparently. (laughs) What is Boys from County Hell about? A couple of friends in a nothing town in Ireland accidentally bring a ancient vampire back to life. It is available with a subscription to AMC Plus, Shudder, and Spectrum. You can rent it for $5 or only $4 on Vudu. And you can buy it for a wide range of prices from $6 to $15, but the cheapest again being Vudu. Should people watch Boys from County Hell? I feel like most people would like this movie better than I did. So I'm going to say that you might as if it's on, not that it's ever going to be on. If you ever see it, watch it. It, it. You have an hour and a half. It's not too long and it's fine. I, I Do you have one of those subscription services? AMC Plus, Shudder, Spectrum? We watched it on Shudder. I think it's fine. I, I, For me, it was a little slow and it was not funny enough. I... Really, really enjoyed it. And, I mean, like Kelsey expected. I just, I love the Irish. <laughs> I just love listening to him talk. And that was enough for me. I thought it was unique in lots of ways. It avoided the cliches in a lot of ways, which I appreciated. It's fun, the backstory about this vampire and all the ways that it's different from normal vampires. That's all really interesting. I thought it was all a good story. I thought the acting was good. I I thought it was fine. I was just kind of bored. There's a specific special effect that they use often in this movie that I think looks actually really good. And I thought the acting was really good. Like, I see what you're saying, that some people might find it boring. I get that. But, I mean, if you're into, like, an angsty 20-something in a small town, you know... If if that is not going to bore you, then, yeah, I think this movie is for you. But if that's going to bore you, I'd say that's the big difference. Is the underlying skeleton of the movie, like what it is emotionally, it might bore you. I just think that it's not funny enough. It's definitely not scary in any way. And it's, no, not- it's not... All that exciting. I just believed all the characters, and I think that's what got me invested. I think it's good. I don't think it's great. Yeah. You can take our advice or leave it. When we get back, we will talk about 2020's Boys from County Hell. Some things are older than science. Older than God. The Earth has its own secrets. And if you get close enough, you'll hear it. 
<laughs> Haven't you guys got anything better to do? Nope. No, we don't. This land belongs to Avertag. He drain people's blood and drink it like water. Like Dracula. Fuck Dracula. I'd love to know if there's actually anything under there. We'll find out soon enough. I saw something weird. Who's fucked that? Fuck this, I'm out! There's a vampire on my set! Don't we fucker shout to bait me! If Abertag binges all night, the whole town's gonna be dead as fuck. I moved to the wrong fucking town. Oh, come on, like, what are we supposed to do about this? All right, Kelsey, get us started. How does Boys from County Hell begin? With a guy I know, I guess he's famous because of Doctor Who, but I know him from Skins, right? That's not the same guy. It's the guy from Skins. I know it's that. No, it's not. Yes, it is. No, it's not. The guy in the first scene who dies, who says that the stoker is full of degenerates. Yes. That's the guy from Skins. No, I know who you're talking about, and he he is in Doctor Who. Peter Capaldi. He was the dad in Skins, right? He was my guy's dad. So he's originally kind of pretty famous for The Thick of It, which is a British show. What he is not in is Boys from County Hell. It's not Peter Capaldi. Then who's that guy? Some guy who's older than Peter Capaldi, I think, actually. But he looks just like him. Laller Roddy, who was in Grabbers. Does he look like Peter Capaldi? I mean, I mean, kind. He's a little. He's older and more disheveled. He's got the eyes and the mouth of Peter Capaldi. Sure. <laughs> <laughs> anyway. He and his wife are staying in and they're bored and she's like, well, we could go have a drink at the Stoker. And he's like, no, that place is just full of degenerates. And then all of a sudden she gets a bloody nose, his eyes start to bleed and they scream at something. Okay, now I just want to point out for the people that didn't watch it. Her nose starts to bleed, his eyes start to bleed. Like, okay, fine. No, okay, imagine that your nose starts bleeding and then it doesn't stop. It's a constant flow of blood coming out of the nose. Constant flow of blood coming out of the eyes. Like, this effect is really good. But do we have that much blood inside of us? Oh, you got a lot of blood inside of you, yeah. Because people always talk about bleeding out like it happens pretty quickly. Well, I guess it depends on how big the injury is. But the blood's just flowing like oh yeah like it just does not stop it 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 is intense i wrote down jesus that bleeding from the nose and especially eyes looks incredible so they scream at something in terror and then we Mm -hmm. get a sign of two months earlier yes and i was not aware that two months passed yeah they're they don't tell you how much other time passes so this is 
In media res, I guess. Mm-hmm. Uh, the night that's going to be the climax of the movie happens on the night where these this old couple starts bleeding, right? And then we're going to go back two months and then catch up to where we were. But they don't tell you any amount of time that passes <laughs> as it goes along. And so as you're getting closer, it's like, is it going to be two months later? <sighs> but yes, time is consistently passing as the narrative continues on. We see a stack of rocks with a black goat's head on top. It's called a cairn. Yes. That means it's a it's a pile of stones that marks a person's corpse. Yes. We meet our main character. Eugene. That's Eugene right. Moffat. Yeah. And he is jobless at the moment, I mm-hmm. guess. He used to work for his dad, but now he doesn't. And he's living at his mom's house. Yeah. I think his mom died. Yeah. And he's trying to renovate the home, but the dad just wants him to get Demolish it or sell it. She killed herself. Is that what happened? Or they're not sure. Did you ever... Did you ever figure out if... Yeah, she meant to do it? Aye. I don't know. None of us do. But in any case, the dad wants to move on. And Eugene stuck around and stayed in the house and he's trying to fix it up. He is at the Stoker. Which, yes, is named that way because of Bram Stoker, which doesn't make a lot of sense considering they hate Bram Stoker and his version. They mention that. I guess it gets tourists. They say we might as well make some money off of it if he's going to steal our legend. Most people don't even know Bram Stoker was Irish or that he got his inspiration here. See, this land belonged to an evil old hooer named Abertag, right? And he he drained people's blood and drinking like water. Locals tried to kill him, but he just kept rising, looking for more. Like Dracula. Fuck Dracula. Folks around here don't like that word. Fuck? Dracula. You literally have a painting of him outside the bar. We may as well get something out of the fact Stoker came here. Pillaged our legend and used it to write the greatest horror novel of all time. Was it worth a read, is it? But you haven't actually read it? And at the Stoker, he and his friend... William. ...see a couple walk in. And they are obviously tourists. Mm -hmm. And... One of them thinks they might be, I forget what he thinks they are, but she points out that they have the maple leaf on their jacket, so they're probably Canadian. Mm -hmm. And they are. And when they approach them, the husband who is, or the boyfriend who is not nearly as interested as the girlfriend is, says to them mockingly, what are you going to tell us to stay away from the moors? And they go, this is Ireland, buddy. There are no moors. <laughs> That's thinking Scotland. Of Scotland. Yeah. <laughs> and that is, the, that is the tale of the werewolf, not of the vampires. Go back to one of our first episodes that we did on American Werewolf in London. And he's supposed to stay away, stay off the moors. Stay away from the moors. <laughs> and they do not. And they notice that as they're walking. Stay off the moors. Whoops. <laughs> they decide they're going to take them to the cairn. And as they're walking out there, they explain that folks around here don't like Dracula. Bram Stoker visited once and stole our legend, as Chris said. And the legend goes that there is a vampire dead and buried underneath this cairn. And they don't they don't know anything further than that. Uh, well, they do know... The name of this vampire is Abertak, and it is, as far as they're aware, the oldest legend of a blood-drinking creature, and Abertak was killed by the chieftain Can. That's everything they know. He buried him under the, the cairn, built the cairn, 
And then that's what Bram Stoker saw. And that's what he made Dracula out of. And as they walk towards it, they get closer and closer. Their story becomes a little bit inconsistent. They tell them that if you get too close, then you'll start to bleed. But also they tell them if you get too close, like we all did as kids, you'll hear a sound. So it's Uh like, which is correct. And they just want him to get close so that they can fuck with him. Because somehow their friend is out there waiting somehow. Uh That doesn't make a lot of sense. Well, it could. I mean, so... The Cairn is on William's property, and SP is also their buddy. He's the one who comes out from behind the Cairn and scares him. So it could be that he was going to be meeting them there. Who knows? There's some cool lines here, even though they joke about it later. Like, that's so ridiculous. But it's William. William is frothy. William says, some things are older than science, older than God. Nature has its own secrets. Uh-huh. And SP gives him shit for coming up with that nonsense. <laughs> but I think it's actually a cool line yeah, uh-huh. myself. And I guess they are all construction workers, which I don't understand because it doesn't seem like there's a whole lot of construction going on in this town. Well, it doesn't have to happen in the town. Well, anyway, they're supposed to be building a bypass. Yeah. But it's supposed to be on William's family's land, which doesn't make any sense. Wouldn't that be illegal? No. It's called you eminent can just domain. Build on somebody's land. How in the hell do you think any freeway was ever built? They kicked a bunch of poor people off of their land. It's absolutely terrible, uh, and that's how every single freeway was built. I thought they had to pay those people off their land. Uh, well, yeah, you do, but you have to leave. You don't get an option. They give you whatever they feel is a reasonable amount based on the market, and then you're forced off. Okay. Mm-hmm. It's called Eminent Domain. All right. So they're working on a bypass that, yes, will run through their land. It will ruin their land, but also it's going to ruin history. But as Chris pointed out, you could just say that that's historical land. But I guess the problem with Ireland. I I don't know what Ireland. Everything would be historical. Everything is historical there. (laughs) In America, you know, you just need to uh, petition for its historical significance. And it's, you know, I imagine there is a process, but... A cairn that's that old? Pretty sure if it was America, they could get that declared historical. And it will most certainly take away the cairn as well. So Eugene goes back to his mom's house and he's working on it and he finds this skull. And nobody seems all that... They talk about it, yeah. yeah. No, they all talk about it, but nobody seems all that concerned or worried or weirded out or anything. It's just like, yeah. I think somebody comes up with a theory and they're just like, yeah, that sounds reasonable. What is this dirty old head in on my kitchen table? Mm, funny on the ground under the shed. I know this sounds stupid, but do you reckon Ma's house is built on some kind of historical site? You know what the people are like in this town. Everybody grounds on a historical site. I was thinking I could call an archaeologist or something. Maybe they'll pay me to dig. Is that your big plan, is it? It's a human head. But that's somebody's bound to be interested in finding out who it belongs to. It probably belongs to some poor hair like you. They had no walk and starved to death. That house is in your mother's family for generations. And she didn't leave it to you so you could tear it apart, to look for old skulls or dinosaurs or fuck knows what else. But it doesn't really come up again? It does. That's how he knows where to go at the end of the movie. Hmm. That night, because they don't they don't start the land, working on the land that day, but that night, he's at the Stoker, 
And his friend, William, tells him that he's going to leave for Australia, which doesn't make a lot of sense because he has a girlfriend. But he hasn't told her yet. That he hasn't told her yet. But supposedly she knows, but she hasn't said anything. They drunkenly stumble home and they get into a drunken fight that doesn't really mean anything. Yeah. Apparently this happens all the time. And usually it's William gets too drunk and he... He's aggressive when he drinks. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And Eugene pushes him off of him, which will lead to the end of everything. And he cuts himself on the rocks on the cairn. You know, he doesn't die, but he did bleed that there. But it doesn't matter because... Eugene mentioned about how he's trying to pick up odd jobs to make money. And he offered, hey, is that bull still getting out of your, your dad's yard? I can build a fence for him to keep the bull penned in. It's the bull that belonged to William's father. So that's why William's father is yelling out across the field, get out of the field! It doesn't help with their strong accents. Yes. I was probably you, missing a lot of things. You have to watch this with subtitles. And even the subtitles is like, I, I don't know what the fuck they just said. <laughs> but so he gets killed by this bull. And everybody blames him for that? Mm-hmm. I don't understand why they blame him for that. Because he was the reason he was at the bar. He was the reason they were walking through the yard or whatever. He didn't get him out of the way. People look for people to blame when something bad happens to somebody they care about. And you know who nobody cares about? Eugene. They care about William. They don't care about Eugene. William is a local fucking hero. And Eugene is not. And so when William dies on Eugene's watch, people like, what the fuck were you doing, Eugene? What did you do? How did you get him killed? And he's like, yeah, it's my fault. It's one of the things SP will bring up, like, the ball's on you taking credit, taking responsibility for that. It's a very emotional thing. I suppose. But so, like I said, they they blame him, so he becomes blocked out of the bar. Yeah, him and SP, who already worked for Eugene's dad. Eugene's dad... Oh, right. They also hate him because he's going to ruin his land. And he never pays for anything because he doesn't have a job. But it's like, okay, so I take this job, but this job ruins the guy's land. Yeah. So Francie is Eugene's dad, and Francie owns the construction company that's going to be preparing the land for the bypass. And it's what's going to be kicking William and his dad, George, and his mom, of course, off of their land. But that's going to happen no matter what. Somebody's got to take the job. And so... Francie is going to do that, and he offers Eugene a foreman position, and originally he's like, no, I don't need your charity, Dad, but eventually it's like, that's all I can do. It's my only option at this point. William's dead. I'll fuck, fuck it. I'll take the job. And he works there, and a lot of other people do, too. Claire, William's girlfriend, she's working construction with them. SP, who we already knew, they're all working for Francie, Eugene's dad. And everyone kind of resents... Eugene in particular, but also everyone else. But so, yeah, they're on the site and out runs William's dad. And he tells them, don't do it. And he tells Eugene specifically, you're not cut out for this. So the idea being that he is aware of his family history, but William wasn't. Wow. Who was aware of whose family history? William's father. George. Who we knew from The Reckoning, which was a limited series on Netflix, which had the guy from Skins in it. (laughs) 
Yeah, he said, don't do it. You're not cut out for this. I'm going to give you some advice, because I've known you since you were a wee boy. Don't toss this Kern, Eugene. You're not fucking cut out for all this. To Eugene, Mm -hmm. trying to stop him from, oh, because he found out it was true when William died. Yeah, Mm mm-hmm. I forgot about that. Because George is the undertaker, and so he took his son's body, Mm -hmm. and he's going to find out that this vampire stuff is real. He already knows at this point. Mm -hmm. But anyway, that sort of pisses Eugene off. He's like, you know what? Fuck everyone. I can't do anything right. Everyone hates this stuff, but they love this stuff. They hate me. And like, you know what? Fuck it all. This needs to come down. Somebody's got to do it. Everyone stop whinging. I'll just do it my fucking self. Which is kind of emotionally what he's doing, but he's very stoic this whole time. He just gets in, and he knocks the cairn over. And the way they set this shot up, I expected him to stop, and there would be, like, this dramatic moment until he finally decided to do it. We get a couple angles, we get people's faces or whatever. No, it's over. Like, immediately he knocks it over. Almost unceremoniously. And that was more shocking, I think, as a result. I actually really like the way that they frame that. No hesitation. But anyway, Eugene hires the Night Watchman because that's his job. Charlie, he gives him a drink to keep him warm through the night. And almost immediately, Charlie gets attacked by something. And his blood gets splattered across the window. And the cairn goes back up. That night, Eugene and Claire will hang out together. And... (laughs) Claire will explain that her father died in a chainsaw accident and bled mm-hmm. to death. And I guess it's supposed to be... I also you... lost my parent as a child and... Yeah. The next day at the site, Eugene will be talking to his father and explains that, well, Charlie never made it. Charlie's not here. And suddenly his father will be like, Charlie's right there. And he's turns and he's there. And that was kind of funny. Uh-huh. And it's like, oh, hey, Charlie, but Charlie does not look good. He does not look good, no. He and Eugene are in a car together, I forget why, and all of a sudden, Eugene gets into a car accident. Yeah. And his father at first freaks out and, like, checks to make sure he's okay, but then as soon as he sees that he's okay, he hits him. All of his equipment, and, like, yeah, what are you, you're worthless. (laughs) And Eugene says, that fucker tried to bite me. Uh Uh-huh. That wee fucker tried to bite me. And suddenly, like, the lights go out, and it's getting kind of scary on the site, and Claire says, what did you mean when he said he tried to bite you? Like a, like a... And then Francie says, like a cat. But what she meant was, like a vampire. Yes, uh uh-huh. Which is a really funny moment. I like that a lot. There will be this whole rigmarole where they're fighting against Charlie, but Charlie will end up on the end of a table, about to attack... Claire, so Eugene flips the table, causing Charlie to fall onto this thing that this pole pole yeah. that Claire is holding, and it will literally stake him through the heart. And his heart comes out his back, which is a little silly. <laughs> it's just the whole heart just sticking out the back, not attached to anything. Yeah, <laughs> but it kind of reminded me of Shaun of the Dead. Oh yeah, sure. Mm-hmm. It also kind of reminded me of. Tucker and Dale. Yeah, this sort of accidental carnage, humorous at the same time. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But of course, he's still alive because Bram Stoker made up that bullshit about staking, staking through a, the heart. A, a vampire through the heart, apparently. Mm-hmm. 
So they're like, well, shit, okay, that doesn't work. Check that off the list. So they realize, well, what if we just bury him? And sh- and Claire is in the car that can the pick backhoe, things up. yeah. And she picks up all the rocks off the cairn and just crushes yeah. him with them. So Francie is going to shove him into the hole and then they pour the dirt on him, but he's still coming up. So yeah, she knocks the cairn over. Get the rocks. We need more weight. And that stops more him from getting out. weight. Somebody was getting killed and he said more weight. What was that? The crucible. Ah, there it is. Okay. <laughs> it's a true story. It yeah. really happened. <laughs> Guy actually said more weights <laughs> because fuck your religious hypocrisy. <laughs> what say you, Corey? More weight. So they're like, "Yay, we crushed him. We we buried him." And they're like, "Wait, did you bury him with the rocks? The rocks that you just moved from the cairn?" And then all of a sudden, a leg pops a, a, up, a foot, which is hilarious. You always expect that to be a hand, and it's a foot, which was funny. So they're like, we need a plan, and they call the police. But yet they're calling from George's house, because this is all happening on his property. (laughs) They slowly figure out on several different clues that he is hiding something, and Mm -hmm. what they discover is that that he is hiding his son. Yeah, Eugene, when they they go to take his car to, to hopefully help the town from Abertac, who just came out of the ground, they find Charlie's bottle in the back of his truck. And so they know he did something. They confront George. What George reveals is that it's not the fact that he was cut on the cairn. It's that he had the rocks in him. He had pieces of the rock in his hand. That's what turned William. And so when he attacked Charlie, he put the rocks in him too. He just cut him. With the rock and shoved the rock in the wound and then put him under the whatever... And let him wreak havoc, the plan being, hopefully, if he attacks the site, it'll at least delay construction. If not, they'll have to divert. That's his hope. But in the process, it is revealed that, yes, William is still alive, and he is a bloodthirsty monster living in the good room. Yeah, which we don't get much explanation about, except that it's always been there and the kids weren't allowed to go in there. I just think it's the good room, you know? Kids aren't allowed in the good room. The room with the nice furniture with all the plastic and stuff on it. The kids aren't allowed in there. That's the nice room. I guess. That is a very common thing, especially from like the 80s. But what George reveals to them is that it was the stones that were holding Abertak down. And moving the stones is what brings him back. I don't really like this explanation about the stones. I don't think it's... I think it's weird. Like, where did these stones come from? Why do they have this property? Why... Does it have to be inside you? It's a weird concept. We also find out that apparently George has a first edition Dracula. It's weird. Like, I, I want to go back and see what... It, there's an inscription inside, and I think it's inscribed to him, too. Well, I doubt it would be to him. I it must have been, like, be his ancestor, ancestor or something like that from, from Brom. Yeah, uh-huh. because it came from his land. But it's that first edition, that yellow cover with the red text at the very top. You know, the classic Dracula cover. So, meanwhile, we see this really sad scene with these two friends hanging out, smoking weed, and one of them just had neck surgery. Oh, and yeah. And all of a sudden, he's like, oh, my God, my... 
My stitches popped. My stitches popped. And she's like, what? And like as blood starts streaming towards this creature that you see in the distance. Uh Uh-huh. And I was like, oh, that's really sad. They make a plan in the house to determine if decapitation will work. I love that they were all like, well, what do we do? What do we do? And the dad's like, why don't we try decapitation? And I was like, that's exactly what I was thinking. Uh-huh. And so they they do all this construction to make sure that when William comes out of the good room, he can't go anywhere else but down this hall. And then George, his father, is going to be on the other side with an axe. He's going to chase after Eugene, and as Eugene passes by, George is going to swing the axe and decapitate him. This whole entire time, William's mom is fucking catatonic because of all the shit. She wasn't doing well before William died, and then William died, and then now he comes back. And so she's just completely out of it. And as they're planning all this and it's getting ready to happen, she shoots George, her husband, because he's about to kill William, and she can't have that. And instead, when William comes out, not getting decapitated because George was just shot, she calls him to her to, to hold him. And he does. And he rips her open and slices her neck. He has these sharp nails that just cut you, slices her neck and drinks all of her blood. So then the dad distracts him so that the rest of the kids can leave. And he's going to try and kill himself, but he's out of bullets so then his own so son... So William just kills him. Yeah. yeah, kills him. And that's kind of fucked up and sad, too. Yeah. And then it's this moment where they're going to try to get him into... Like, they they trick him into getting into a coffin. Because they're at the Undertaker's place, right? So they trick him into a coffin. And in the process, he cuts open Eugene on his arm and SP across his stomach. And they get him in there, they nail gun the thing closed, and he's still alive and he's struggling. But they drop him into a hole, and I guess they bury him down there. But SP is now sitting on the couch, he's got a beer in his hand, and he is cut wide open. And his stomach is, like, exposed. He's going to die. (sighs) I can't tell you why. Probably because he's a big Irish guy. But... Something about this scene where SP dies hit me really hard. And like personally, because it just made me think of Mike, my buddy Mike, who passed away in 2020. So like right when the pandemic started. And for whatever reason, just like him talking about himself dying and being okay with it and stuff. Oh, my dad always said I would die on the couch in front of the TV with a beer in my hand or whatever. Like... For whatever reason, it's just like, it just made me think of my buddy Mike and just, uh, uh, just like devastating. SP's death really got to me personally. and I, it, It's weird. Probably because he's a big white Irish guy. <laughs> I don't know. I'm sorry. Honey. No, it's okay. That's a personal story and I don't expect anyone to identify with it in any way. But it was just very sad for me. One thing he does say is, at least it wasn't a heart attack, which also hit because Mike had a heart condition. That's what got him eventually. So, like, Jesus. Okay. (laughs) Anyway. So Eugene is feeling really sad about this, about his friends dying. And he's talking to his father and he says, what's the point? And his father's like, stop it. The job's not finished. Get up. Mm -hmm. And so they've got to go kill Dracula. 
Because everyone in town is getting their blood sucked out of them. Just yes. the entire town. This is when we catch up to that first scene and he attacks those that elderly couple. Mm-hmm. They oh. need to find out where his lair is. And that's when Eugene realizes that's what the skull was about. That was his lair. So they decide they're going to trap him. And they wait for him. But his father, who does love his son in his own weird way, knocks him out so that he won't be... Hurt. Hurt or in the way or Mm -hmm. nothing will happen to him. And while his son's knocked out, what does he do? He goes after Dracula. Abertak. But Abertak ends up like destroying his leg. And then he's able to like hobble and he falls down, shoots. Well, you missed. And he runs. You missed a couple things there. (laughs) First and foremost, we find out that Eugene, through his mother's side, is actually descended from the chieftain that killed Abertak. Okan, I think, is what they're called now, but it's Okan normally, or McCann, or something like that. And while Eugene is knocked out, Francie actually does chop Abertak's head off. And when he's waking Eugene back up, Abertak's head slides toward his body, and it reaches out, and it connects again, and he gets right back up again. You just cannot kill these things, period. You cannot kill them. And, yes, he grabs the axe that was used to chop his head off, and it goes right through Francie's leg. And they get down because they were doing construction, so there are those tubes that go from, like, an upper story where you throw equipment down to get it down into the dumpster on the on the ground. They get down that way, and it really fucks him up. Yeah, I'm not a big fan of the damage to Francie's leg, that whole thing. They're going to use it for comedic effect later. It's like, eh. Feels unnecessary. I guess, guys, I just, I think I'm just getting sick of people not feeling any pain. Sure. It just, I think it would be nice if movies could understand the human body. Yes, but he does pass out from the pain. He doesn't see what ends up happening with it. And he lost a lot of blood as well. So there is that. And, you know, I think it's just supposed to be symbolic of the fact that he loves his son. Take my leg, which is what he's going to tell him later. He's going to use that to stake him through the heart because they don't have any tools. Well, they also discover before that, they also discover that sunlight doesn't work either. Yes. So they're hiding (laughs) in that place where he found the skull and they're hoping that in the time it takes him to get to them, the sun will come up and it does. And it does absolutely nothing to him. Later on, Eugene is going to mention to to (laughs) Claire that. That wasn't even Bram Stoker's idea. Yes, some German guy came up with it like 20 years after the book came out. For Nosferatu. (laughs) Which is funny because... We just did Nosferatu? We did, yes. But also, Dracula made stuff up about the the staking and all of that. So it's like just modification upon modification. I think that's pretty funny. But what we do know is you can stake them through the heart to slow them down, which is what he's going to do. But they don't have any tools, so... He rips his dad's leg off mm-hmm. because you could see he has like a compound fracture. The bone is sticking out mm-hmm. and it's sharp. Yeah. So it's like, just take it off. Just yank it off. That's what you're going to have to. And, you know, Francie's very much like a just get the thing done kind of guy. So this is what has to happen. Just fucking do it already. And rips his leg off at the calf and stabs him. So you got this like construction dude's leg with a boot on it sticking out of Abertak's chest and he goes down and then Eugene digs into the hole that he was digging where he found that skull and just buries him under all this dirt and then all the 
stone and builds up a new cairn on top of Abertak, and now he's there. Three months later. He's saying goodbye to Claire because she is going to go on a trip. Yep. And he's still staying there, still working on the house. His dad and him are on better terms. And that's the end of the movie. Yeah, except for a couple of things. So we get that Nosferatu reference. Also, they're playing Dawkins' Dream Warriors <laughs> over that are last scene at the pub. that's what it was? So I was like, oh my god, is that Dawkins? Oh my god, is that Dream War? That was literally my thought process. And so I, even though I wasn't, some credits I stay and I watch, right? Others I don't. Just how I feel at the end of the movie. And this one, I wasn't going to do it, but I had to know. So I fast forwarded to the end and sure enough, Dawkins' Dream Warriors is on the soundtrack. But yeah, that's the end of the movie. And personally, I like it because, God, I just love the Irish. I just really fucking love the Irish. This is Northern Ireland, which we didn't even go to when we were there. We were in the Republic. Love the way they talk. There's a there's an ennui throughout. Like it's a it has the tone of a small town. Got to get out to make something of yourself. Sort of, you know that trope. But it doesn't succumb to that. He Only, doesn't leave. He sticks around. Yeah, he's perfectly happy to stay there. He loves, even though they Three don't Mile like Hill. him. But William, who everyone loves, wanted to leave. But his girlfriend didn't want to leave, even though she knew he wanted to leave. But now that he's gone, she wants to leave. She never said she didn't want to leave. She just definitely leaves now. And she says she'll be back in a year. So we don't know what exactly she's going to do. But she needs to get out. Why? You know, of course. But different people want different things. And I'm glad our main character wasn't one of those, I'm too big and important for this small town. I got to get out and make something of myself. There was like, no. one part where he said, I think I'm thinking of leaving. And SP was like, you don't have any money to leave. And that's when Claire was like, I don't see you going to Australia, but I see William going to Australia because I knew he was going yeah. to Australia. Well, SP was already gone, but it was just the two of them at that point. But yes. But yeah, I mean, it's. I thought it was well acted. I loved all the emotion throughout. I love the ways it did things differently. Like, this is not a vampire that bites. It is a proto-vampire. It's before Dracula. So sunlight doesn't affect it. Staking it through the heart only slows it down. It doesn't kill it. You can decapitate it, but it will just come back. You cannot kill it. You just have to bury it. And put these rocks on top of it, the stones on top of it to weigh it down so they can't get out. And they don't drink blood with their fangs. Yeah, they might use that to rip you open, but they're more likely to use their nails to slice you open. And anywhere blood can come from, it, like, summons blood to them. Like, that's really fucking cool. As a matter of fact, when William dies at the cairn... And there's blood on the ground. That's one thing that Eugene sees is the ground soaks up the blood. The blood just disappears under the cairn. And he doesn't tell that to anybody until it's clear that something's going on. I thought that was pretty cool. Like, I thought it was very unique. Love the accents. I thought it was good. Mm -hmm. Just kind of not very interesting to I, me. I get it. I get it. But I have a feeling we're going to be kind of far apart on this one. What do you think this movie has on Rotten Tomatoes? I'm going to guess like a 70. 83. Oh. Boys from County Hell stands out as an uncommonly good time in the crowded vampire genre and proves the Irish countryside is a fine setting for slaying the undead. A Metacritic of 56. So, 
Do you think that's overrated or underrated? I'm going to say it's overrated. Okay. What would you give it? I'm going to give it a 77. Oh, okay. That's not that bad. I was going to give it an 80. Uh, I was tempted to maybe go a little bit higher, but this is at least an 80. I'm thinking about Grabbers. Grabbers, I think we both gave a 78. I think I like this one better than Grabbers. Grabbers was funnier. I liked Grabbers better than I liked this. Yeah. You gave it a better rating. But Grabbers was definitely funnier. Way funnier. I thought this was better made. This is a better movie. But Grabbers is definitely funnier. If we're talking about Irish horror movies. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, so not that bad, actually. Okay, I was worried you might go lower than that. I was somewhere between 75, 77, was I was thinking. All right. Well, that is our St. Patrick's Week. I know we went through this one pretty quickly, guys, but that's because we're already behind, and there wasn't much to say about Leprechaun 4. (laughs) (laughs) But what are we watching next week? March 21st, 2022, is five years after the first purge. By that time, it is a fully accepted holiday, and that's when the first Purge movie takes place. And that's next week, guys. That is so next week, March 21st. Be... 2022. 2022. So yeah. we will be watching The Purge for next week, which means we gotta get it out by Monday. Yes. <laughs> we gotta make up time here. And we will be watching with it a movie called The New Kids. Do you know anything about it? It's about a group of teenagers who wear masks and terrorize families. Oh, I see. So not the same political issues, <laughs> but the same kind of themes going on. Mm-hmm. Same motif. <laughs> okay. Well, I'm glad we're finally getting around to The Purge. I actually liked this first Purge movie. Yeah, we liked it. And I'm, I'm, I'm a little fine with the rest of the movies just being utter nonsense. Mm-hmm. Uh, what's his face from... All very politically charged, and I agree with their politics, but... Yeah, but they're... It doesn't make an interesting movie. lose the plot, I think, a little bit after a while. And Frank Grillo is in it. Uh, he becomes like a like a standard character. And But yeah, I mean, I'm fine with the Purge movies. I think they're okay. And this one in particular, I actually really like. So, looking forward to it. So, the new kids and the Purge. All right. That is next week. Until then, you can always find us on our website, podcemetery.com, and on Twitter, at podcemetery. Make sure you follow us there. Don't forget to subscribe to us in your podcatcher of choice and rate and review. A five-star written review is the biggest help you can give us that way. But even bigger than that is sharing us with your friends. And even bigger than that is you just, you know, listening in, listening in the GD first place. Thank you all very, very much. We love each and every one of you. Until next week, I've been Chris. I've been Kelsey. And this has been Pod Cemetery. But before we go, Kelsey, any last words? No one leaves this ship unless I so say. Say so. I don't want to be buried in a pet cemetery. I don't want to live my life. To the sacred place This ain't a dream I can't escape More loose and fangs But a picking up
This is a voice recording. Can you say something again? There's a list of states and I'd like to go through and see which ones I've been to. Okay. All right. <laughs> Why? Which is which? What I? We'll quack that. 